Hello, and welcome to the Conversations with Data podcast, where we bring you the most interesting discussions around data journalism. I'm your host, Tara Kelly, and today we'll be talking with Simon Rogers, who's the data editor at Google News Lab. It goes without saying, Simon's a leading and influential voice in the ever-changing world of data journalism. Not only did he create and edit The Guardian's first data blog back in 2009, but he's also authored Facts Are Sacred and currently teaches data journalism at Northwestern University's Medal in San Francisco. He talks to us about the winning entries of this year's Sigma Awards, his passion for machine learning, and why he believes collaboration is the future of data journalism. Hi, Simon. Um, Welcome to Conversations with Data. Um, Thanks so much for joining us today. Great to be here. Thanks for having me. Um, Simon, I wonder if you could talk to us about, you know, what's happening at Google at the moment? Anything new? So, yes, I work on the Google News Lab, and um, uh, which is basically a team that kind of is like an editorial bridge for the news industry. So on one side, we're advocates for, for the news industry within Google, but also on the other side, we are the place that people come to to get data and to, to tell stories, and we produce content, and we work on also, um, you know, user innovation and training and, and so on. So my area is really around data and user innovation. So, you know, where, where I am, obviously, we are crazy busy at the moment. We're in the middle of a global pandemic. And, you know, trends data is a really useful way to understand how people are thinking about this things at the moment and the things that people are concerned about. So we can get at that with, with trends data. And we're all about making that um, available to people. So as soon as we're done talking, we're going to send out today's um, newsletter which goes to journalists um, and you can sign up if you go to the, the Google Trends Twitter account because you have to sign up and we are just really thinking about kind of what happens next and how we can help journalists around around data and also innovation and machine learning and uh, and those kind of things. You're known for your data is the new punk TED talk and your other <laughs> book on facts are sacred for the guardian. Like tell us about your journey from, you know, finding your first data set to now is the data editor at Google news lab. So, yeah, I mean, it's a decade ago now that we started the data blog. So it has been a kind of, uh, and, and, you know, data journalism didn't start with the data blog. It's been around uh, for a while since, uh, since William Playfair, you could argue, but, um, I guess there's been a real renaissance in the last 10 years. And, you know, my own personal journey, I guess, has reflected that a bit. So, you know, with me, it started um, when I was on the news desk, and that was actually after another global disaster, which was uh, 9-11. And um, there we were, um, you know, I was working a lot with graphics team, collecting data sets, thinking, wow, I wonder if we can do something with this data. And it took a little while for that to turn into, into something um, which is the data blog. And the irony is for me is that I was never into maths. Yeah, anybody who's seen my tools know that, you know, I'm, I'm, I, you know, I was a kid, I hated maths. I couldn't see how it was relevant. It wasn't something that was anything to do with my life. Um, but what was interesting was understanding things. And it took me a while to understand that the data is, is the best conduit for, for that kind of reporting there is. Um, and so, yeah, we started collecting data and then suddenly that data became more useful and we started publishing it and making it more available to people. People kind of forget that when The Guardian first started getting into this kind of data journalism, it was all about just making the data more available. It wasn't about, you know, like 
producing visuals or interactives or stuff like that as much as just publishing the data so that other people can use it too. Because as we all know, there's tons of data out there, but it's still not published in accessible formats. So that's what a lot of it was about. And then, um, yeah, we, uh, we, we just started to build that out, started developing that and got into this world where working with amazing designers and to build, you know, interesting things. Um, and now, and then I uh, came to San Francisco, which is where I am now um, in uh, 2013. That was to work with Twitter there for a little bit, working on these, it was my first kind of way to get into big data sets. And now, um, and now looking at Google, I get to work with the world's biggest journalistic data set. And I think, and the interesting thing is we also get to work on what I think are really important projects with other with other people. So we just we just did a project with El Universal in Mexico where we were using machine learning and Google News data to work out where there were gaps in reporting around um, homicides um, there, which is an amazing project to work on. It actually came up for Sigma as I had to recuse myself from that, um, from judging that. Um, but I'm really glad to see that the, the other judges thought it was a great project and, and gave it an award. So things like that, I'm just really lucky to be able to work on those kind of projects with amazing, amazing reporters around the world. So let's talk about the Sigma Awards. Um, now, from what I understand, you know, there was quite a big turnout, 510 entries submitted from 287 organizations, 66 countries. So we were, you know, we were thinking if we get 100 entries, we'll be happy because it's the new awards. And what I love about the, the Sigmas is it comes from the community. We're lucky, you know, lucky enough to be in a position where I work so that I could fund it for the first year, which is great to get, get off the ground. But, you know, the great thing about it is it's, it's the community. It's Reg and Aaron. Um, and, you know, I, I, I'm really pleased to be involved with that. And I think it's just an amazing thing. And the response among the, the industry was just brilliant. You know, we had had over 500 entries. Like I say, we'd be happy if we just got 100. And yet, you know, there were people entering and they were entering from all over the world. It wasn't just like the usual space in the way, the big newsrooms, it was... It was, you know, sole practitioners in developing countries, and that was super impressive to see that. And there were also quite a few not-for-profits in there too. Yeah, not-for-profits people, and we had, you know, designers like the pudding um, entering as well. So I felt felt really good about that. That you know, these are tons of organisations, some of which are journalism support organisations, some of which are just people working with data that um, that entered and. You know, the, one of the great things about Sigmas is that um, uh, basically all of the, the judges take place in um, this amazing phone call, which is something I really wish one year we could make the call available to people, but I guess it probably never will be. But it's just this great thing we all chatting with people like Alberto Cairo and Aaron and Reg and um, the whole team, all of the judges from all over the world about the state of data journalism, essentially, why they like certain projects, why they think other projects aren't up to it. And that's just a, a, an amazing call to be on, honestly, because it's totally honest and people are very, you can really see the trends that are going on and where people are in the industry right now. And that's that's something that's super impressive. Okay, let's talk about the, some of the winners. Uh, mm. We can start with um, the best data-driven reporting for large and small newsrooms. We had uh, the Troika laundromat, and then we had Made in France. So what I love about this particular category is that uh, two of the three, to so the two main honorees were not US-based, and they were doing really, really interesting projects. Um, so we had the Troika laundromat, which was 
super impressive and I think kind of a difficult uh, project to do. And this was um, and this was a number of projects which we saw come from uh, uh, from you know kind of uh, Eastern Eastern Europe and and uh, countries that you know really become strong in this area. So it's the um, the OCCRP. They uh, this investigation basically tracked three thousand companies across 15 countries with loads of banks and it's going through tons of records so it's a super interesting project we also um had the uh just as an honorable mention i'll mention really quickly usa today um which was teamed up with center of public integrity in the arizona republic to really um look at legislation and they what they want to do is analyze legislation that kind of happens in different states and where there's like these nearly identical bills that just pop in different states to copy paste legislate was a really kind of interesting project and then the other the other winner um was made in france which was um from disclose which is not an organization that we've um uh, i think we've awarded the and for other awards as far as i know um and that really looked at kind of this very kind of confidential data around france's involvement in the conflict in yemen which was a tricky um exercise to do i understand and and something that was really in the public interest so i loved i love the kind of breadth between those three those three uh, those three winners there and you know for best news application i thought it was interesting they were looking at disinformation from russia so um texty is a really interesting organization journalism and Anatoly there had set up this journalism team um from nothing and they they become a real force in this area and um super impressive and so this is a tool which really looks for all of the kind of these kind of manipulated news stories that were popping up um in ukraine that had kind of russian links it's super powerful um and yeah really interesting important important project so yeah love to see texty doing well there is such a great um such a great organization and so for the best visualization for large newsroom i mean this was the new york times what were your thoughts on this so i'm mean, actually love that project already and the thing about new york times obviously it's such a powerhouse in this area it has so many talented people working for it that you know it we want to, one of the things with the awards is we're very aware of people's context it's you know new york times isn't automatically going to win just because they do amazing work but this piece was brilliant so i don't know if you've seen it but essentially what it did is it allowed you to see um this visual this kind of flotation of dots around the screen which would um, illustrate the pollution in each place and one of the cool things about it is it actually worked on mobile as an ar biz so you could see this is what new york looked like this is what san francisco looked like on the worst day or new delhi or jakarta or wherever it might be um and they're just uh, it's a really impressive team Nadja's work in particular i think is just great as a environmental data journalist and that that's also interesting to me because we're starting to specialization within data journalism and people are becoming health data journalists or environment data journalists in this case and that that's um i think uh, a really cool project and super compelling and actually ar working it's very hard to make an ar biz um that works properly and i think um the fact they did that successfully was really um impressive and then for best visualization for small newsroom we had the danish scam yeah i mean i think the thing i liked about it was it it's often these stories can feel quite remote they're not really about humans that there's big issues and and see something that's just kind of small but personal i think it was really good the kind of had this whole kind of who done it format which made it just really accessible to people and shared how vulnerable we all are 
And that's that's something I think is really powerful. Data journalism really works when it's it, it illustrates the stuff that you can get your head around. And I think I think this this project really did that. And then innovation for large newsroom. They had two winners. Yeah, so there were two there were two things going on there. So Zone Science, I mentioned that already. This is a project that I worked on, so I didn't get to take part in any of the either the pre-jury or the judging on that. Um, and that often happens actually because we want we have people, you know, involved with the awards who are practitioners um, as well. Like the awards call is often people say, Oh, I have to recuse myself here, and that's and this this is uh, the same thing there. So uh, there are two things. So yeah, El Universal looked used machine learning to show the gap in reporting around homicides. As you know, homicides in Mexico are incredibly high at the moment. Super impressive project, and and you know, not they're a small they're a small you know team. So the fact they 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 did it was pretty cool. And then yeah, and then the the AP um, did this really interesting project, and you know the data kit, which I love that this is stuff that's replicable for the rest of us. So, you know, the, the, the best of data journalism has always been kind of helping others do what you want to do. I think that's, and it's been a really important part of the, of what, the way that data journalism works. And um, to see that in action is great. Great reporters involved in that. Serdar, Adam, we're in Troy, who we do. Michelle Minkoff and so on. And, you know, people who have been involved in the industry for a while and they, they know what people need. So to see that come to fruition is great. And then we have uh, the winner for innovation for small newsroom was Oyo Publica, Algorithm to Fight Corruption. Yeah. What struck you about this one? Well, I mean, the most interesting thing is, is that, you know, we tend to think of, you know, algorithm and programming and stuff as the kind of things that only big newsrooms can do. Only New York Times of the world could build it, but actually this is a small newsroom and they scraped all this data from these huge public databases and then the built-in algorithm to analyze them all. So it was super interesting and they're really punching above their weight with it. And I think that, that, that's one of the great things about the awards is we get to see stuff like this. I, I didn't even know about and see it happen is, is terrific. Absolutely. I mean, there seems to be a lot from Latin America in general. Mm. Um, and that includes the next winner for open data, which was Todos los Contratos, which yeah. means all the contracts. It's, it's just a great project. And, um, you know, originally, you know, we thought about the Open Data Awards as really a rewarding um, making data open and transferable. That's such an important part of the way data journalism should work. And um, this is just a great project. It's, it's wittily done, you know, <laughs> you can just see from the, 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 you know, the open screen how witty it is. It's a huge open data Endeavor and they this 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 issue that uh, you know around the cleaning of data, making it available is uh, is real, and so they took four million odd Mexico's governmental contracts and they built a website allowed people to analyze it and produce others, uh, anal- produce top line numbers that are really important and useful. So, and they published all the data as well, so other people can then replicate it. So I, mean, I just love that. I love the fact of of opening up these uh, these tricky to use data sets. So then we have Rachel Doddle uh, from 538, who won this year's Young Journalist of the Year Award. What made Rachel sort of stand out against all the other candidates? Yeah, we had really great entrants, and the shortlist is a super impressive shortlist of, of, um, of reporters. So it's a tricky thing, and we really talk about it a lot. Her reporting was super sophisticated, but it was also enlightening. So she's very good at kind of bringing the reader in, making people feel engaged. I think really good at finding kind of interesting angles on stuff. 
because you know so for instance there's a whole line and we, we mentioned this in the war site you know about you know about uh, looking at uh, where republicans vote but live so for instance just because republicans aren't winning in cities doesn't mean no republicans live there so things like that so where where are the you know the republican enclaves in, in america say that's i think was a really interesting angle and she kind of she provides really good at providing kind of the data and in an accessible way so people can delve into it themselves and you know what i really like um is that you know the best data to me is almost slightly humble it doesn't make you feel stupid and i don't think her work does i think it makes you feel like enlightened so that was really good it seems like a lot of the awarded projects this year, they had a real mix of mm. traditional footwork, you know, journalistically speaking, but then they also had, you know, the latest technologies, OSINT, mapping, GIS, sophisticated yeah. data viz. It's like, is there a phenomenon going on here that you're noticing? Yeah, I think um, there are two things there. I think that combination of traditional reporting and data reporting is really, really interesting. And um, I also think that uh, um, we're seeing now that data is working out how to use machine learning. I think that took a little while because it's not, it's not instantly apparent like how, oh, this is great, machine learning. But the more work we've seen, like the work of Peter Altus at BuzzFeed, for instance, the more of that kind of work we've seen, the more it's becoming apparent that actually this is a really, really great reporting aid and uh, can help make our work better. So just to see that, I think, is really important and really good. So I think that's partly why that's going on. And also, you know, data journalism is established now. It's part of every newsroom pretty much has a, at least a data journalist. So I think that makes a difference. It means that it's become much more a part of the, the routines of news, if that makes sense, the way that we work every day. And what other publications do you think are leading the way when it comes to machine learning and embedding that into the data journalism news process. Well, it's interesting. I think I mentioned Texty before who won the award. Super interesting work. I thought that was great and really, um, and really, uh, really impressive. I think um, BuzzFeed has done a lot, but that's a lot of large because of Peter Altus, uh, who's just a great reporter, was really dived. Uh, he's also a science uh, background, so I think he, he dove in early to, to use machine learning in the newsroom. That's super interesting to me. And we're starting to see now you know obviously there's the big players like you know the work that the new york times done around ar for instance i think is pretty unparalleled and um it's great to see that in action but yeah i think it's what's interesting to me is how geographically spread this is if you're a small you've got like three people four or five people that can text these instances, you know you can see that how much work that ai can save you then you're going you're gonna to use it so that, you know, like that, that those lack of resources in a way become like the kind of the, the parents of invention for you and encourage you to, to, to kind of spread out a bit. So that's really interesting to see. And also belies, in fact, this stuff doesn't have to be expensive. You know, you can do it without, without spending a ton of money. That's, that's important too, I think. And um, does Google News Lab have any training specifically on machine learning? Or are you guys starting to develop that? Yeah, so we we actually took part in the MOOC with the Knight Center at the University of Texas last year. It's still online. And there are sessions in there on machine learning for beginners um, by Dale Markowitz, who's um, is just a great uh, kind of advocate for cloud. And so that's definitely worth checking out as a good starting point. There are also other courses now. So we did a session at NICAR last week with um, Antonio and the, the, he's um, he, that uh, uh, deck that he had, there's a number of resources, online courses now to help get people started. And it's not difficult to get started now, which is great, the great thing. 
And so it also seemed like there were quite a few collaborative projects in the mm. entries. For instance, the Troika laundromat. Do you think we're going to see more of that? I do, actually. I think part of that is because um, data journalists tend to be more collaborative than reporters in other fields. I genuinely think that. And part of that is because often we work on our own. Right? There's an isolation uh, to being a data journalist. And so when you can work with others, you can make your work a lot better. And, I, and that really helps, I think. And so... So it really lends itself to that. Things like, you know, the election land project with um, ProPublica and documenting, hey, a great example is I think of mass collabor collaboration projects. And then you're seeing things like the Troika Laundry Map, which are these, or copy-paste legislators, another one, where people have different specialisms or different or ge geographic areas. And those can, um, can help you kind of, uh, you know, produce something together that's much greater than you'd be able to do individually. And when do you think that these collaborative projects work and when do they not work? Yeah, I mean, it's a really interesting question and I don't actually know what the answer is. I think the ones that I've seen, the best ones that I've seen are, uh, give, you know, basically give people the freedom to kind of go off on one almost and just explore and innovate and then come together when it makes sense. Now we've seen a lot of these collaborative projects which were almost like, parallel projects we've got like three say three organizations working together but actually all they're doing is sharing the data and then they go off and do their own thing and they might and, you know all they've done really is share the data but there are other things like documenting hate where everybody is working together in a way that's public to me that's more honestly more enticing and interesting i love the idea of these kind of giant collectives of, of reporters come, coming together to, to 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 build something that's much stronger than they could do individually so it's a really interesting question. I think we're going to see that division kind of grow a bit over time, and we'll see, we'll see which is more effective. And I'm just curious, you know, you've been working in the data journalism field since 2009. How, how have things changed from then up until now with these latest 2020 Sigma Awards? The knowledge that is part of all of our work, I think that is a big change. You know, it's become mainstream. Like I say, it's not unusual now for an organization to have a data reporter, and that's brilliant. That's what we hoped would happen. It's what's happened. I think that's really cool. I think also the um, the technology that we have access to has really improved. At the same time, things that were really popular vanished, and that often happens with, with visual tools, right? There are things, even like tools, you know, tools that Google produced, like Fusion Tables, super important part of data journalism history. Now it's not there. And that happens, and it's just, it's, I think it's, it's reinforced to all of us how fragile, <laughs> fragile our work is. The things that I worked on eight years ago just aren't there anymore. They don't exist because libraries change and, and all stuff like times out. So I think there's a bit of that. But there's also the fact we also have access to amazing tools. So like Flourish, it's a great tool that allows anybody to produce sophisticated data visualizations without being a coder. That's great right that's really accessible and you know the, the way that machine learning tools have become more and more accessible the courts have produced these kind of toolkits for ai which are brilliant you know i should have mentioned before and john key's work at courts and uh, the team there is just uh, really really exciting so there is like a lot to be happy about in data journalism even though journalism as a whole is obviously super challenged right now i think as a data journalist in that area there's just so much going on that's interesting and accessible and uh, impressive right now. You know, with this pandemic of the coronavirus mm. and, and COVID-19 spreading, do you think that data journalists are showing their value in the newsroom because we can yeah. actually decipher what's happening or at least bring some meaning to these numbers? 
I mean, I think so. I and mean, it's, it's obviously a great irony that, you know, most, probably most American data journalists were at NICAR. I mean, they're now self-quarantining, um, quarantining at home after it. I think, um, yeah, this is, the, this is like, you know, the important data journalism has had these moments, right, that have made it more important, like WikiLeaks being an example. You know, the original WikiLeaks releases were, was an example of that, where data journalism was the only way to interpret that. And I really feel it's so important and valuable at the moment because one thing I see looking at trend data is how much people want reliable information. You know, there's, they, they want to know what the facts are and to understand stuff better. You know, and, and you think that one of the biggest conversations this week has been around flattening the curve and how many people now are looking at epidemiological curves and understanding them now because of data journalists. So it's super important, really powerful, and it's um, great to see. And do you feel like, you know, you just got back from NICAR and obviously there's a lot of learning that happens at these conferences. Sure. But it can feel like if you're new to the data journalism field, the, the education, it can feel a bit fragmented. So what, in your opinion, what's the best way to go about learning is it self-taught is it a formal masters i mean we're we're lucky because there are no end of of, of credible online resources and i think that's important one thing i would say so i teach at um at the medill school in san francisco has a campus there so i teach data journalism one 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 morning a week um then it's an introductory course and i thought a lot about what should i be teaching should i be teaching like just tools like spend the whole time doing databases or whatever and actually well, I realize the tools keep changing, but the skill sets in a way don't, like the things you need to do, the attitudes towards data, understanding what's new, understanding what's possible. Um, that is in a way more important. So that's what we focus on. We focus on this is the potential each week. Um, you know, these are the themes. Maybe it's humanity and data or accessibility, or maybe it's free, what free tools are out there, but what, what things are good, different things are good for, just to show people what the potential is. And that's, I think, where we need to, the, the focus needs to be. And I think if you were beginning today, I would say check out the MOOC that University of Texas, that we did with the University of Texas. It's pretty good starting place. And it will take you off to other places. And there is so much online. I, I would also advise now specializing, honestly, if you were beginning, like finding a field that you're interested in, but also building a couple of skill sets that you're really good at rather than just doing everything. Because I think then you're gonna then your work will be more in demand and 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 you'll have better chance to kind of succeed. And do you think it's important that journalists, you know, learn how to code and designers learn how to write and coders learn how to do it all? I mean, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I think we make too much of that. Uh, what what skills do you need to do your job? Uh, what story are you telling? What's the best way to tell a story? Do you have those skills? If you don't, then learn those. And I think you know, data journalism is the often the best way to tell a story. So when you're making, when you're doing that, what is going to help you do it better? So, you know, I think it's great. If journalists can learn to code, that's great. Journalists should at least have a basic understanding of data. Understand, you know, we, we saw very recently on TV where, where, where on TV, mainstream cable news where um, uh, somebody said that uh, Michael Bloomberg's money he spent on his election campaign would have been enough to give every American a million dollars, which is actually the figure was like $1.53. Things like that. So not making... Not, so knowing enough to not make those kind of mistakes, but also just to, to be able to tell your story in the best way possible and also knowing what else, what's out there, what's possible in this area so that you can either do it yourself or get other people to help you. Good advice. Um, and so it feels like, you know, data journalism, it's a rapidly evolving field. 
what direction do you think it's going to take next in the newsroom or even outside of the newsroom as we're seeing with not-for-profits and other organizations working with it? Yeah, I mean, reliable information has never been as important as it is now. And I think people are aware of that and we're seeing great moves in that area. I do think, you know, when data journalism kind of took off in the, in, you know, in the 2000s, what you saw was this kind of flowering of lots of people doing it. And then I think there was a period where it became the big people you know focusing on it and the small rooms were kind of let out and now i feel like it's turned around and like these small newsrooms around the world one or two people are doing really really interesting things and that is uh i i'm so that that trend is something i'm really excited about i can't wait to see how the sigmas look next year you know what kind of entries are we going to see and it's going to be really exciting well thanks so much simon for joining us today on conversations with data it was great talking to you thanks for having me A big thanks to all of our listeners for tuning in today. If you enjoyed this, you can subscribe to our podcast channel on SoundCloud at soundcloud.com slash data journalism. I've been your host, Tara Kelly, and that's all for now. See you next time.